0: Life's a game, the world's a stage, and we are Merely Roleplayers, where theatrical people play role-playing games. I'm Matt Boothman, and I'm your compare for this studio production. Here on Merely Roleplayers, we improvise stories, for your entertainment and ours. And we use role-playing games to keep the story going places even we can't see coming, because as theatrical people, we're all about maximising the drama. In this production, we're playing Galactic, a belonging outside belonging game by Riley Rathal, which you can find at metagame.itch.io. So please take your seats in the studio. Tonight's production is about to begin. First Nova, a merely roleplayers studio production. Act 2 of 3. The ship Mustang Sally leaves hyperspace in the shadow of the wreck of the starship Trinary Noon.
1: This isn't a standard asteroid field, right? There's like dancing lights like the Northern Lights.
2: We've got company. <laughs> Whatever it is, is big. We need
3: to hide or something into the wreck the only cover Alwyn oh, have you not collected the item yet
1: goodbye mother and I smash the telecommunication, telecommunication <laughs> device on the floor under my foot
0: Pesco heads down the down ramp holding this key
4: there is an engraving on this key that is also on Revan's skin excuse me come along if you're coming
3: Like uh, jetpack wearing advanced scout troopers, of uh, mandate troopers are going to uh, fall down and land between Esco and Revan. And Revan gets a token.
2: Oh, no. I like
0: that. Yeah. And the mandate loses one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you described the mandate ship as pretty big, right? So it's hard for the mandate ship to navigate the asteroid field. So they're just sending in these tiny little maneuverable jetpack guys. Mm hmm.
3: And it's, it's, there's a bit of an arrogance, I think, from the commander of the ship. Just uh, a few people in uh, with jetpacks and blaster rifles. What sort of threat are, are these ragtag crew going to pose?
0: Um, we're less maneuverable, probably. Mm. Yeah. Well, Esco definitely is. I don't want to speak for Revan.
4: I think Revan. Uh, actually. One of the uh, mo- more useful remnants of her time with the mandate is um, special magnetic boots that allow her to walk on zero gravity environments fairly fairly easily and quickly so she can actually run around like a monk slash ninja sort of person whilst I imagine these three incursors are sort of floating with their jetpacks, So actually they're probably not as mobile as Revan is seeing these three individuals land in front of them well in front of them and i'm guessing between her did you say between esco yeah, and between
3: them yeah between esco yeah trying to split you split you up
4: they're going to try very hard to get their attention she pulls out a sort of very thin very shiny blade from somewhere on her like their back you wouldn't you wouldn't have seen that on the person if you weren't really paying attention. It looked like the the clothes that they're wearing is a bit of a mishmash between leftover mandate um, bodyguard gear that's more about protection, but man... Was it maneuverability? What's... Okay, help me, Alwyn. Maneuverability.
1: <laughs> maneuverability.
4: Maneuverability, that's the <laughs> word. <laughs> to sort of move very quickly, because reaction time is important. And then she's, um, they've just added a bunch of uh, bits and, and and bobs from her time outside the mandate to both look more like just a random galaxy person and hide the armor. And also just as a personality building exercise, you know, picking things that they feel represent them from a fashion point of view. But anyways, so they're gonna, uh, I think this is a lateral move, put yourself in danger to help someone and give them a token. So um, I think th- this sword has this really, it's so, it's interesting. It's so polished that any light that bounces off it, bounces so in like really intensely. So Revan's going to try and use that to temporarily blind these three individuals, cool. because I'm assuming they will have some sort of lighting Around them to see where they are and where they're going. Yeah, it's like mm.
3: around their helmets or something. Around their so. helmets. Yeah.
4: yeah. So she's gonna like temporarily use the blade to reflect the light and blind them, and just shout at S. Go, Versi, run! You are more important than me, and this, this discovery, you must find what you're looking for, for all of us. Go. Uh, they'll just. Go to town on these three individuals.
0: <sighs> Esco pops the the scanning visor up onto his forehead so that he can actually see, and seems like he's struggling for a response to maybe tell Revan that they aren't as unimportant as they think they are. But sees the three Mandate operatives that he is not equipped to fight. Looks down at the data bank key in his hand. And turns and uses whatever maneuvering jets he's got to jet off deeper into the trinary noon.
4: Oh gosh! <laughs> do we want a fight scene? Are we? Are we, are we doing
0: that? <laughs> what, do you th- was that all happening within sight of the the Mustang Sally?
3: Yeah, I think so. Seems like the other side of the landing bay that we crashed mm. into.
2: Yeah.
0: So, we're, yeah. we're probably not, we probably didn't land in an actual docking bay. We just mm. landed in whatever space this Whatever space Valve 4 yeah.
3: was a docking bay. When, yeah. I- <laughs> whenever you dock your ship, that's where I call docking bay.
0: <laughs> if it's near the rear of the ship, it might even be like the main reactor or the engines yeah. or some, somewhere oh dangerous like that.
4: <laughs> Can you imagine? Just like a blasted open space.
1: I have a question. Oh, sorry. The space between has a question mm-hmm. for Esco. There's something that's drawing you to this ship. What personal connection does Esco have Ooh. beyond a mere interest? Beyond mere curiosity. There is something innate to Esco or Esco's heritage that is drawing him to this ship.
0: Ooh. Can I make it uh like a maybe a a, a mentor or somebody else that i either grew up with or came up through the kind of academic circles with who like the trinary noon was not esco's own original obsession finding this ship mm-hmm. it was it was this mentor's and the mentor disappeared or, or possibly what esco suspects was disappeared by the mandate and esco has kind of taken this up as a quest On behalf of this person does that does that satisfy the space between
1: it does Uh, and i'd like to present you with a vision that your mentor had previously been here the reason they disappeared was because they came to this ship Mm -hmm. and they never returned and you're able to see almost as if you're gazing into the past, like a hologram, a holographic projection of what
0: happened. And it, it's now that I've taken the visor off and mm-hmm. I'm looking with my eyes that I see, maybe see this figure moving away and disappearing down the junctions.
1: Ooh. And so you instead do.
0: of following my hollow visor, I'm now following this vision.
1: Yeah. And you almost hear your name whispered in the annals of history. Esco, Follow. The words you hear. So the space between has just uh, offered a new truth to Esco and is going to give Esco their token.
2: Amazing. Ultraverse C. Wait.
1: And the figure disappears off into the ether.
0: I want to know what's going on with uh, Holwyn and Val and <laughs> Jody.
1: Are we, all, are we all together now on this spacewalk?
0: I
3: think so. We've all put on our thing. But the sh- everybody has the shield that goes around all of them. Um, mm. uh, Val is wearing his jeans over the shield. <laughs> nice. Any opportunity to give them a spacewalk. Uh,
1: Aldwin has got an official armoured diplomatic uh, gold <laughs> spacesuit. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, in Red Dwarf what the cat wears when they go on a spacewalk. It's like reflective
2: <laughs> gold. Beautiful. I like that. Uh, awesome. Yeah, but uh, I think Jodie would obviously be wearing her own design, so yeah, she would definitely have the bubble cap on, essentially. And is just doing some final sort of coordinates. And then probably hears the stuff outside, and sort of goes goes to the end, sees that uh, Revan is being, almost is about to be attacked by these three things, and she's like, ah! And she will get out of one of her many pockets, gets out the rock she took from Revan before, and sk- skip it <laughs> to try and hit one of them to break their helmets and so she will uh spend a token to get somebody else out of harm's way so the idea is that obviously like breaking that shield is to distract so it becomes uh you know gives them the upper hand i guess in fighting against these free mandate uh people
0: i love that like the the bad guys all are always faceless, right? You know, the stormtrooper helmets are all identical and that kind of thing. I love that these guys are faceless because they've got these lights around the helmet shining out at us, so mm-hmm. all we see is like the blank faceplate and the light shining out.
2: Mm. Revan, come back! I'll shout, like trying to get get them back towards us so that we could protect them in some way. Although I have no weapons whatsoever, <laughs> even though I'm looking desperately through my pockets. <laughs> mm.
4: And Revan will look back at Jodie with that kind of uh, look in their eyes of being, mm, this is a moment to make a choice. Uh, and I'm going to choose to f- take them on and, and protect this little crew family that we've created. But also because I think, and I, I don't know if this, I, this might be a, a move, uh, Revan is uh, deeply familiar with mandate gear. And they know for a fact, this is top secret information, that all the sort of layman soldier suits, especially space suits, come with a self-destruct mechanism so that their leaders can use them as uh, kamikaze style um, soldiers. Soldiers don't know this. This is not something that is made public or that the people wearing these suits know about. But it's just, you know, in case... Shit hits the fan real bad. Um, the Mandate always wants, wants to have an out. And this is a, this is a great out because you just make everything go pop. That That's real horrible as well. Because <gasps> it
3: sounds also like if any soldier even slightly thought about doing something other than what the Mandate asked for, even thought about defecting,
4: pop. Pop. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. although Revan has been trying very hard to go the non-lethal way... In this situation of extreme threat they 're going to try and exploit this knowledge, and kind of following jody 's example, use their blade and whatever debris is around to very specifically target that point or that whether sort of button if you wish in the suit is um, and try to basically kill these people, which I think is a vulnerable move about reveal a harmful believe you have, I don't know if it's reveal a harmful belief you have not unlearned, as in kill the enemy. You've
3: got a strong move of reveal a previously unknown mandate vulnerability.
4: Exactly. I think it's more the strong move really. Mm -hmm. Target the shiny white point in their lower back. Just trust me on this please. No blasters. Just be careful. And she just Snaps off and, and goes to fight. Uh, and just imagine really cool, as they call it in the D&D world, monk shit. <laughs> <basically>. <laughs> Ninja, a bit of John Wick, and if anyone is familiar with Wuxia, the Chinese-style yes. period fighting movies, a bit of that as well. Lots of like cool, floaty, jumpy moves and just very fast.
3: As you're yelling, don't use blasters. Val has leapt high into the air (sighs) and go woohoo and like spun slow and if you could do it in slow-mo in a film like as it's been around I'll go into the holster pull out the blaster and will have at least shot one of them with his blaster because as my tips say do things your own way for better or worse (laughs) (laughs) Val's way is using a blaster so what happens when I (laughs) when I don't do what you've suggested and shoot one with a blaster
4: I think potentially, it just. This is something that I, I had a feeling might happen. It it ricochets as opposed <gasps> to just embedding in the ship, this material and the situation it's in. It just starts to ricochet around, and you're like, "Oh no! Well, great.
3: <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Abort!" <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, Val's reckless, but he's not an idiot. He'll only shoot. He'll shoot that once, and then go.
4: Okay, back in the the Billy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you, you hit them in one, you're, you're fine, but you need to hit them and nothing else.
3: <laughs> Val thought he was going to come in and uh, and have a fun blaster battle. Turns out he, he brought a gun to a knife fight. That's what just happened.
4: Does Val's blaster have settings? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're n- non-lethal... <laughs> At least you will not I don't
3: think Val's ever used any of the settings <laughs> other than the standard laser setting. Literally, he's on, oh yeah, yes. stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh. What's that button do?
0: <laughs> it's got extra unusual settings that Jodie's put on it.
2: Oh, a thousand percent. <laughs> You're like, what's this? Don't worry about it. Just if you ever need it, go to number three.
0: <laughs> this one's for Turned cooking into a chicken.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Uh, I think while all this is going on, Alwyn's just been sort of floating there, just been like, good, good, carry on, and just keep going, fight the good fight, uh, and is going to grab Jodie as the other sort of floating person huh? in this scene by the arm and just say, uh, my dear, there are a litany of uh, idiosyncratic reasons for why we should continue in this idyllic manner. However, as indelicate as it might be, I'd say it's perhaps more uh, less insidious of us to continue on to the, uh, to the ship
2: you want us to go past them?
1: I think we need to catch up with our dear friend Esko, in as an esoteric and equivocate way as we can.
2: Roger, roger. Alright, and then I will, uh, again with uh, Olwen, just sort of, I guess start manoeuvring past thinking that Revnan and Val are okay, but I keep looking back making sure that they're okay, because they are members of mm. our little crew, and I'm with the client, technically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and
1: I, I assume we all have, we're all patched into comms with one another.
2: Oh yeah, we've got our, our, our heads. Yeah, the big sort of things. Again, under all this time, there is there's a the slight beats. classical. Yeah, there's like a beat and a slow classical bit. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. Shooting in slow. This is my
3: blasting music. <laughs> yeah.
4: Music to blast to. Yes. <laughs> I would say also at some point when they go, when you guys go by, eventually at some point you're going to sort of maybe see or hear just like ah. Pff. <laughs> <laughs> one down. Uh,
1: I think as we're floating away, Olwyn is going to patch into a direct line of communication with Revan. Politician speak of personal tete a tete with you, Revan.
4: Uh, quite busy at the moment, uh, sir. It's okay, but just
1: listen. I'm good at speaking. Yes. Listen to me, Revan. You're, you're one of the most incredible and capable people that I've ever met in this galaxy. You truly yes. are something of a prodigy. I just want you to know that anything you put your mind to, you can do.
4: I'm not sure that's factually accurate, sir, oh, but thank you.
1: You should tear their fucking heads off, Reagan. <laughs> after what they did to you.
4: <sighs> sir, yes, sir. Okay. Uh, Revan out.
1: Very good, very good. Right, onwards, Jody. Uh, and that was a lateral huh? move. Show someone you believe in them and give them a token. <laughs> so take oh, a bless. token, Revan. Oh great! Uh, and win and Jody float, I guess, uh, into the other ship.
3: Yep. Uh, <laughs> Two down. <laughs> Leave some for me. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Hurry up!
3: Uh, I have a question to the to the
1: mandate. Are there mm. now any vessels or ships approaching, or has it just been the three? the three individuals in their spacesuits that have come.
3: I think now that very clearly the three individuals in the spacesuits were, clearly they had underestimated the threat of the uh, the little ship that had landed. Um, I think you can kind of hear, well, you can't hear it's space, but um if you could hear um <laughs> there would be the rumble of engines as the big thing came closer and like you can see like flashes of laser blast as it's starting to blast <gasps> its way through the asteroids so Ooh. that the large ship can can get in
0: mm.
3: and i think that's going to foreshadow a bit uh, uh, a bigger threat which is um they they've done the small team they're now going completely other end and they're just going
0: to disintegrate the entire wreck <gasps> with us in it oh god you asked (laughs) (laughs) um how is the the space phenomena in this area reacting to that because we said the asteroid field has like a weird corona or like an aurora borealis thing going on that's potentially tied to the space between is that reacting at all now that they're blasting
1: I would like to offer up <laughs> control of the space between to another player, as I believe I have been in control of this for quite a long time. So I will take my name off and open it up so somebody else has a chance to add their fiction to it.
0: Cool. Um, shall I take it since I'm the, I'm the person who doesn't have a pillar right now?
2: Go for it, yeah. Sure.
0: So I think as they start blasting through asteroids, that glow and that connection in this, this area... Um, intensifies and uh, brightens and the asteroids which have been drifting very naturally and randomly according to the laws of orbital mechanics and things start to move more like in a shoal or a murmuration to present like cluster together and put up walls of asteroids between the wreck and the mandates ship to ship blasters and it's not going to be enough to stop them, but it might be enough to slow them down and, and buy us some time. And it definitely confuses the mandate. This is mm. not, a, not a, a phenomenon they've seen before or prepared for at all. Mm. So I'm, in, I'm invoking or as the space between. So the space between is going to gain a token. Nice.
1: Nice.
3: I really want to know what Esco's going to find. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs>
0: um, I think chasing this uh, echo, this phantom, this vision has to inevitably lead Esco to the the data core, uh, the data banks where this where this key fits, which is sort of in keeping with that slightly uh, organic feel of the ship as a whole. <laughs> we've been talking a lot about doctor who and i am imagining a kind of a tardis central console kind of uh, layout
2: as yeah, mm. one would assume <laughs> yeah
0: so a kind of a circular room um with this almost coral like pillar in the center with uh, various kind of interfaces all over it which uh, esco thinks when activated will sort of fill the room with recordings and holograms of the uh, all of the various data that it holds Esko sees where the key goes and inserts the key, and the central data core of the Trinary Noon awakens. And And of course, from having studied the civilization that this ship is from and looked over his mentor's notes and, and researches into this ship and where it has come from and what what caused the, um, the wreck. EsCO understands how to use this console. It's ancient old technology. it wouldn't be familiar to anybody else, but EsCO knows this, this glyph means this and this light lighting up means that and is able to not only power up the data banks, but also power up the ship's shields. An envelope of glowing, and very similar to that corona and the aur- aurora borealis light that suffuses the whole asteroid field, a uh, glowing envelope of that kind of light encompasses the entire of the trinary noon. Um, and so I'm I'm deescalating a dangerous situation using my historical understanding. So we are we're in slightly less danger now because this ship can't just be immediately torpedoed. <laughs> <laughs>
3: i'd um like to make a move as the mandate again, <laughs> as the shields go up and all the the data key goes in and all of these data banks spring to life and data that we are, have been after that's gonna tell us something presumably about the space between or an ancient civilization or whatever it is we know not uh starts to to glow and um nsco looks at this the possibility of all this data and all this lost knowledge. Uh, suddenly get a little flicker and all go from kind of a, a nice kind of like ocean blue to some kind of deep, harsh red. Uh, and a little hologram is just going to flicker out of a uh, little thing on the dash uh, and standing in holographic form before you is the head of propaganda for the mandate. <gasps> no! No!
0: It's me, Matt, your compere, reminding you there's no point crowding the stage door right now – the players won't be available for autographs until the end of the production. So shall we take a look through the programme together instead? If you've read or played Galactic, you might be asking yourself which of the playbooks is Matt using again? That's because I made Esco using a playbook that doesn't come with the game. The Researcher is a playbook I wrote for the Galactic 2nd Edition Game Jam. It's inspired a bit by Dr Afra, rogue archaeologist and disaster bisexual from the Star Wars comics, and a lot by Lintel Laroon, Cat Cool's character from the Campaign podcast. I designed The Researcher for people who want to get their crew into trouble chasing lost artefacts, and who want some agency to add to the history and mythology of the galaxy. If you want to play a researcher in your own game of Galactic, you can get the playbook from my itch.io shop at merelymat.itch.io. Now, before I go call beginners for the next scene, I want to tell you about Realms of Peril and Glory. RPG, see what they did there, is an all-new actual play podcast that you'll probably like a lot if you enjoy what we do here on Merely Roleplayers. Each season is going to be a new story, with a different cast and using a different role-playing game system each time. The first season uses Thirteenth Age for a mystery thriller set in a city of magic, monsters and machines. It's got orcs and elves, but it's also got baristas and detectives who are in over their heads. I caught the first episode the other day, and it gets off to a really atmospheric start. The whole show is scored and sound-designed, which gives such a strong sense of the city right from the jump. There are some big guests to look forward to in future seasons as well, so it's worth bookmarking the show even if this first story doesn't quite sound like it's for you. Sasha Sienna from the Magnus Archives is going to be in it at some point, and Ella Watts, producer and podcaster hype person extraordinaire. The first three or four episodes of Realms of Peril and Glory are out now wherever you get your podcasts, and you can find out more about what's coming up at www.lightandtragic.com slash merely. That's lightandtragic.com slash merely. Here they are now to tell you about the show in their own words. Then, please shut your programmes and return to your seats for the first Nova, Act 2 of 3.
3: Welcome to Realms of Peril and Glory, an all-new actual play podcast. There are guys- How about you, you filthy RPG is home to hilarious stories. The thing that kicks off a really good tale is, uh...
4: When they take their tops off. Sorry? When you're reading, like... Don't worry, don't worry.
3: And thrilling adventures.
4: There's bad guys, there's an ogre. Probably best if you stay here. Sorry, I'll be back soon.
3: Why am I tied up?
4: That was your sibling, not me. Bye.
3: Each season is an all-new actual-play story told collaboratively at the table, featuring guest players from the Magnus Archives.
4: I remember being in the water, and that was awful, and now I'm not in the water, and that's much better.
3: Wooden overcoats. I am a snowman.
1: I have one job, and that is to stand in place. I was doing that very well.
4: Yes, and she might
2: come back nine times more powerful with lots of food and kippers. We fix space junk. On the surface.
0: You might look different, but you're very, very similar inside. And I can vouch for that. And more. What I am about to tell you stays in this room.
4: Got it? You don't know where There's like secret plans about meat and smoothies.
3: Ducks. Did you say ducks? Did you say ducks? Did you, did you, sorry, did you say duck? You can find Realms of Peril and Glory wherever you listen to podcasts. We're going to have a good laugh. Then we're going to possibly cry. And then we'll, we'll grab dinner.
0: build this npc
2: oh man
0: yes so i think we've got traits for them already because we decided this is this is the the operative that's after Esco and it's also um revan's superior officer right mm-hmm. so between both of our character sheets that gives this person scheming and passionate yeah so we need to give them uh, a couple of moves uh, maybe one from scheming and one from passionate uh, and we need to name them and decide what sort of person they are.
3: I have a name generator here that's just going with Kasser Omega. Oh, oh,
1: love it. That's nice. a good name. And the moves, so this is directly related to Raven and Esco, correct? They're both mm-hmm. an, MP- yeah. they're an NPC from both your parts. Yeah. Don't you t- why don't you take a move
4: each? Wait, yeah. Do you want to do yours, which is passionate, and I'll do mine, which is scheming?
0: Sure, yeah, I'll grab a passionate move.
2: I love all
4: these moves. they so great. Good.
0: I'm going to give them uh, question someone's beliefs or actions and give them a token. Cool.
4: And I'm going to give them, of course, monologue about your plans and a token. Fantastic. (laughs) I'm so pleased we did that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's what I wanted. You must, you must. (laughs) Can we say at this point, probably, I don't know about Val, but Revan has, or if it hasn't quite arrived, I think they're following Esko, after dealing with, you know, little poppy, pop, 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 um popcorn men. Um, and I just <laughs> wanted to also point out, I don't know if this is something we can say or not, that throughout this old, old ship, this the symbol in this key, the symbol on Revan's back, seems to show up as a pattern here and there. Very confusing. (laughs) Revan is very, like, they don't really understand what's going on, but it seems like there's some sort of deeper connection here. Revan's DNA has been spliced with some unknown elements. They don't really know what those are, but there's beginning to be, I think, a tingling fear on the back of their mind. They were told repeatedly growing up that whatever came before the mandate was evil. It was a force for destruction. They wanted to take over the galaxy and wipe out all life from the galaxy. And that's how the mandate was born, to protect life in the galaxy. And everything they do is to keep a sort of a balance to prevent whatever that was from coming back. Revan's odd pupilless eyes and the symbol, etc., there might be there might be a connection with whatever came before. Mm-hmm. Um, good to know.
0: I love that. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, so shall we say by the time Esco has worked out all of the uh, console controls and got the key in and got the data bank up and got the shields up, that everybody else arrives just as this hologram of uh, Casa Omega appears.
4: Sounds yeah. good to Let's me. Let's do it. Let's do it's it. Grand. Oh. From like different points.
0: <laughs> you all arrive and uh, Esco turns to you all bathed in this sea blue light from the databanks. Huge joy in his eyes, feathers fluffed up, gesticulating wildly with all four arms, going, it's the find of the millennium. And then all of the lights go red.
4: <laughs> oh, no. And this
0: towering hologram appears.
4: Oh, gosh. It's like, Versi, you did it.
3: Uh, just so, you know, um, the, the move I made as the um, mandate was to, to intercept information and give a token <gasps> to the person I stole it from. So you've got a token map.
0: Oh, no. Oh, what? My information. My data. Oh. Oh. No.
3: Uh, so, Catherine Omega towers over you. Ah. Esco, lovely. Thank you so much. I see uh, you've brought along my experiment as well. What a lovely little gathering. The rest of you, I don't give a damn who you are. But um, thank you very much. Your predecessor, although useful in finding this place, was vexingly silent when it came to opening up this data vault. What a (sighs) wonderful thing about inspiring people as they always have very enthusiastic followers really begging to continue their great work, and I must say you've done a a wonderful job leading me here. Uh, Of course, I already knew where it was and installed some little uh, software of my own to intercept when somebody did, of course, find it and and open it up, and I can only thank you for the information, and um, I see you've, you've Turn off the shields as well, I'm sure that will keep my destroyer out for for a little while, but um, by that time I'm afraid, well, I would have got what I needed from this information, and the power of the space between will be mine, and perhaps my next little experiment won't be such a disappointment. Anyway, mustache, galaxy to conquer and all, cheerio. And all the lights go down. No sea oh. blue. No red. Esco
0: like removes the key, reinserts it, removes Whoa. it, and reinserts it. Uh, Jody will go over to Esco and says,
2: "It's, it's okay. We'll work it out. We'll work it out." But you can see she's like, "Oh my god, this is beyond anything," and she will try and help with the console and like go around and look at fixing things. But because it's such a derelict. Place and like, like we said, the light and stuff like that is absolutely nothing. So it's just that's a weird thing where you're all in the dark, you can just making out things and stuff, but you can see she's actually she's definitely lost her cool in the darkness. What an
1: awful man! A precocious <laughs> philistine, an utter harbinger of doom, a Machiavellian, lurid, kitsch, ostentatious
3: bad man. I don't know; he sounded fairly familiar to me. Quite.
0: Right. Jodie. Yes. Can you help me? I need your perspective.
2: I'll... I'll do what I can, and I'll start Jabbing my hands (laughs) into the console, (laughs) trying to put stuff together, like like do what I normally do and mash wires together. I'm going to take the vulnerable move of making a rash maneuver that puts you or others in danger. (laughs) I'm going to say I put others in danger, and as I do, the doors slam shut. (laughs) I'll fix it later. Don't worry.
0: And I start like going through the wires. The this ship is is ancient. I understand some of the systems. But we know now there are mandate modifications. Uh, I cannot see them. I'm not familiar enough. I only have the theoretical knowledge. But I think between us, we can can work this puzzle out.
2: Of course. We can easily do this because you're brilliant. You're brilliant at this sort of thing.
0: Uh, I'm asking Jodie to help help me talk out a puzzle or a problem uh so I'm giving you a oh, token oh yes to absolutely <laughs> nice
2: lovely so where do you think this wire goes <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: theoretically speaking uh, there <laughs> ah,
0: yeah. that's it's fascinating they're not really wires as we understand oh. them oh <laughs> like
2: it's like completely embedded <laughs> <laughs> like well,
4: that's a start. <laughs> the,
0: the, the wiring is simply aesthetic.
4: <laughs> did like, so do not cut the red one. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> yeah.
0: The real systems are in the, uh, the patterns of light. Patterns of light. The patterns of light.
4: While all of this was happening, and if anyone looks back, Revan is literally standing there, blade dropped on the floor. And they have this blank stare looking out into like the distance, like they're not quite there, with literal tears just streaming down their face, like a proper, proper cry. But other than that, there is nothing. There's no emotion. There's nothing there. And like they're whispering very, very low under the breath. There's this this mantra sort of thing going on being, this is my fault. This is my fault. This is my fault. That's it. <laughs> that's all. Um, so I think that's a vulnerable move for Evan. Uh, reveal a harmful belief you have not unlearned. Oh. <laughs> so Matt, could I take the space
2: between from
0: you? Go right ahead.
2: So what happens is it's a very tense, like half an hour or, or an hour as both Esko and Jody are going bits and pieces. And that discussion about the light, um, Jodie sort of pieces it together and starting to put things together, sort of the inner sort of console starts to it's slow, but surely light comes up, almost like a lava lamp type thing, this sort of bluey ocean thing. And eventually she press, she's like, okay, presses a button and it, it springs into life. And that glyph that we've seen all this time on Revan's sort of back, everything like, appears sort of in the centre starts shining around and this, this light casts on us all it's sort of a beautiful calming effect and we just hear in our minds hello I see you're trying to restart a ship can I help?
0: Um, I mean and this is amazing an ancient natural language interface and it's picked up our languages that is right
2: can I help?
1: We'd like to get out of here.
2: Calculating. Where is here?
0: Oh, this is getting... I, I think by this point Esco has managed to work out how to connect his uh, hollow visor into the ship systems and can feed it the coordinates of uh, the, the, the galactic coordinates of where we actually are.
2: It takes a moment, I guess. Like the, the the glyph starts moving around, and almost it. I like the idea when it talks. It does move up and down as if there's a mouth, but not quite. Interesting. Converting. Ten percent. Twit Ninety. Complete. <laughs> ah. Ooh. We should not be here. This is
0: bad. Well, I know where we need to go next, but you're not going to like that either.
2: Like that either. Searching databases.
0: That is a, a vulnerable move for me to say <laughs> that. <laughs> um, I haven't yet decided where it is that we do need to go next, Perfect. <laughs> uh, but it's somewhere that we're not going to like.
4: Best kind of place.
0: Probably, like, the heart of mandate base. I was just going to say the heart mm-hmm. of the Mandate.
4: No. <laughs> <laughs> going home. We're going
0: after
3: the, uh... Obviously, we had a goatee. I keep going after the idiot with a goatee, right? Because mm. that guy, I did not like.
2: Person with goatee. Searching databanks. Finished. No results found.
0: Scan for, uh, Unfamiliar modifications since your last activation.
2: Scanning. One percent. Two percent. Three. You can tell it's not done this for a long time. <laughs> it's many many updates to its system.
0: Oh no! I've activated the defragger.
3: I <laughs> <laughs> was just gonna hit it with the <laughs> fist. <laughs>
2: complete 13 unidentified extensions and sort of then like from out of it like a map would appear with sort of little uh, dots around conveniently we'll say in this room
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i imagine that the whatever they installed to steal all of the data also leads back to them in some way maybe it was beaming it to some sort of mandate data bank or research station Mm. or, you know, the heart of the propaganda office where they can decide what to do with this data, whether to just seal it away from the galaxy or find ways to leak parts of it to turn it to their advantage. Mm. And that's where we've got to go.
1: (laughs) I think there's definitely a stronghold on a mandate-run planet Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. is storing that information.
0: And you know what? There's, a, there's an extra reason why Jody won't like this place because it is, it is a massive space bureaucracy full of no, space paperwork.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> the real nightmare this whole time. <laughs> it's
4: like, no. You need form c 456 <laughs> week Admin planet. <laughs> um, I think Revan is coming too now that this conversation is happening and they know where we're going they know exactly where this place is they know exactly what it looks like and they don't want to go back ever <laughs> um so there's a bit of a of a fight going on in their mind whether to disclose what they know or not um i'm trying to figure out what the most interesting choice would be in this situation <laughs> um i think they're going to wipe the tears from their face, look at their wet hands and somewhat perplexed look up at Esco.
1: Versi, we should leave this place now, not come back.
4: And if you wish to follow the man with the goatee, my commander,
1: I will take you to him. But know this. We will not come back from that.
4: None of us will.
0: Out of character, I'm very sorry about this. (gasps) I'm going to make a vulnerable move to dismiss somebody's perspective on a subject I think I know better about. Yay! (laughs) Nonsense. I have... Dealt with this Casso Omega before. I have uh, uh, run into this pother. His power is in words only, in falsehoods. We have the power of truth on our side.
4: Very well. The glyph
2: in the central column this whole time has sort of been searching. <laughs> Access, granted. Revan, ESCO. Records, accessed. And I'm going to use the move, uh, create an unexpected connection between people and give them a token. One of you can have my last token. <laughs> <laughs> I've got
0: tons of tokens. So... so
2: Revan, you can go for it.
0: Sure. So uh, do, we, do we understand what this means? Is this giving the two of us control of the ship or what's going on? is it just mysterious?
2: I think it's just mysterious in the sense that both of you have seen something on the ship that connects to you. Revan, certainly you've been feeling it, or that's a sort of exception. And Esko, you've seen these echoes. There is something more here for both of you. And the fact that as you've been talking, like like Siri, this glyph, whatever it is in this column, has been listening in and is like, ah, yes, you have access now. And whereas it might have been a bit harder to pilot or even access some of the data files, perhaps, you both out of all of us have access now.
0: So is there maybe something, maybe that the mandate didn't think was worth taking that's left in the databank that they didn't drain that could be useful for one or both of us?
2: Yes, I will say there is like a video file that's sort of at the bottom probably... It's probably renamed like WX underscore, blah, blah, blah. So it's like the last on the list to be uploaded. So it's not a video file, it would be an audio log. And in the audio log, I don't know, anyone else have any
0: ideas? I've got a pitch.
2: Go
4: for it. Go. Go, go.
0: We haven't given him a proper name yet, but the audio log, when it starts playing, Olwyn uh, immediately recognises <gasps> the voice as his lost, dramatic twin brother, Not sure what his real name is, but Alwyn knows him semi-affectionately as Baldwin. Old (laughs) Baldy. Part of the reason that we came to this wreck was looking for Baldwin. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is a log that he left when he visited this place. And the mandate didn't take it because it wasn't like part of the ancient data file they were after. It's a newer edition. What pillar do we want to attach Baldwin to? I wonder if it's
3: uh he's aligned with the liberation. Liberation. Uh, yeah. I, think, I th- yeah, for sure. Wondering if a long shot mission is about to... Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. I think that maybe the, the betrayal of the Callahan family and the you know, the ostracization of Baldwin out of the family has led him down. <sighs> To join the other... A different path. Oh. You know, the Callahans are supposedly neutral between mandate and liberation. They're just local government. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think perhaps Olwyn has had his eyes open, you know, fallen in love with a, a handsome man or a, uh, attractive lady in the liberation and has become a freedom fighter now.
2: Oh, amazing.
0: So, Marta, you've got the liberation currently.
4: I do, yes. <laughs> I think the gist of it would be that Baldwin left the world he knew kind of disillusioned and joined the liberation perhaps just, uh, it was kind of a coincidence, but then as he spent more time there and maybe met someone who opened his eyes, maybe a certain old mentor of a certain Esco, to see connections and things that he didn't know existed before. He realized that the universe as is is profoundly uh, messed up, and that his family, wittingly or unwittingly, is a cog in this machine. And um, he hates that. Um, and he wants to dismantle it without necessarily putting them in too much danger initially. Perhaps hopes that he can eventually bring Alwyn to his side. He feels this twin connection between them. And then Esko's mentor has kind of taught him sort of what he taught Esko about this pre-mandate civilization and what that was about. This symbol pops up. Maybe this ski was with them at some point. But there are whispers that there are remnants of the Mm. old people Mm. still Mm. living among us today, deeply hidden and secret even from the mandate. And You have to find them and in their memories lies the key to defeat the mandate and maybe go back to a more equitable, more happy sort of place. But it's like the solution has been fragmented and deposited in the deepest subconscious memory, Mm. spiritual thing of all of these Mm. individuals that still hold the essence of the old civilization, which would be Revan would be one of them and you can tell them apart because they have that symbol Mm -hmm. embedded on their bodies do you know those there's some cultures that like cut themselves and let things scar Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's kind of like that it almost feels like you wouldn't know that it wasn't like a birthmark or something that's part of of their body Mm -hmm. unless you knew where to look and, and what it meant how's that does that does that yeah. tie everything in together <laughs> nicely <Bloody> beautifully hell. <laughs> that
1: really does yeah
2: yeah <laughs> that's amazing yeah. i think my, my my only caveat would be is that it we don't necessarily know it will be a better future mm. it's just enough to break oh, down the mandate yeah
4: mm. mm-hmm. surely,
1: surely a future without the mandate is brighter than the one we have at the moment yeah. which
4: will probably be a direct line more mm-hmm. like a don't know. return to the old ways, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Like for someone who believes in the mandate or who has been living happily in the mandate galaxy, that would not necessarily be a good thing. So it's, it's left up in the air whether that would be a change for the better or the worse. It's a risk. We don't know. Yeah.
0: Can I suggest that also as the audio log is playing, the computer helpfully activates something in the air that makes the mark on Revan glow through their clothing, making mm. it completely obvious to all of us. Mm-hmm.
2: Definitely. I think, like, I'm just picturing Zorgon now. So apologies, <laughs> guys. <laughs> um, just sort of the way it spritz out and the the glyph itself forms the face of uh, Baldwin as it's sort of talking. And then as it, it goes through the motions of changing it and obviously showing the key, and then people like Revan and then focusing in on Revan and, like, maybe... Yeah, light. We've talked about light—a light shining down, and just highlighting. And you don't feel any pain or something. But there's a beautiful, almost like fireflies around you, sort of indicating where it is. Revan is very perplexed. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) like,
4: um, is this normal? What is happening?
0: This is incredible. Do you know what this means? Me? Any, any, any of you? Any of you? Anyone? We may not need to go to the propaganda headquarters after all. The data they took may not be as valuable as what is in our friend's memory. This has been The First Nova, a studio production from Merely Roleplayers, starring Matt Boothman as Esco Triff, Josh Yard as Alwyn Callahan Callaghan XVI, and Strat as Val Waldron, guest starring Fiona Howard as Jodie Shute, and introducing Marta Da Silva as Revan. The theme music is by Alexander Pankhurst, and the episode was edited and produced by Matt Boothman. We were playing Galactic, a role-playing game by Riley Rathal you can find Galactic and many other fine games at metagame.itch.io. Merely Role Players is a Foggy Outline production in association with Blackshaw Theatre Company. Until next time, if drama be the food of life, play on.
3: Sorry, I think I might have accidentally just done a move. Which is uh, Oh no, no, That's it's how you know when suspicion you're in character. or distrust, not just annoying. <laughs> 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 I thought there was something it. it's somebody else has pushing buttons, isn't it? <laughs>